Hello and welcome to Coffee Meet with Algamy Consulting with me, your host, Chris New. And today, as we work our way through a third lockdown in the UK, we unbelievably begin a third in our series of podcasts, this time titled Cautious Optimism, more of which later. As always, we are aiming to provide insight from key players of the wealth and asset management industry, what it means to run and operate an investment management business as the industry looks to refocus and adapt to a post-COVID or vaccinated post-Trump world. I'm excited to be joined by Algamy Consulting Partners with over 40 years of experience in the wealth and asset management industry between them. It's Pierre-Yves Rahari and Luke Jacobs. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Chris. Do you have your coffee ready? Here in front of me. Yes, also with me here. Excellent. So let's talk about the theme of the podcast. As the year 2021 starts, the wealth and asset management industry, like most of the planet, is feeling optimistic about the prospect of a vaccine and moving into a post pandemic world in the course of the year. At the same time, now that Brexit has been consumed, the mind of the industry is set towards further expansion while redefining the regulatory framework in which it operates, as well as integrating innovation across the board. However, this renewed optimism will not come without its challenges. These are the fundamental changes in the industry that we invite uh, you and our guests to explore in our new series, Cautious uh, Optimism. So that's the, the context to what we're going to discuss. Before we dive into that, do you have any tips for our listeners on how we're going to survive the rest of this uh, third lockdown, however long that may be, either business or, or even personal. For me, the, the personal way of getting through the third lockdown is very much the same as the previous two. I keep doing my exercises, go for walks in the morning, eat healthy. That are it for me from a personal point of view. Business, I think, yes, probably the industry knows now how to deal with this situation. And it is a continuation of what we've been doing now for almost 10 months. So in that sense, I don't think that there is necessarily much change in it. There might be clearly elements of fatigue that come more and more in with working from home and not seeing colleagues. Zoom is not the same kind of new thing as it was uh, 10 months ago. Pierre-Yves, as a man who likes his sunshine, how do you deal with uh, 3.0? At the risk of repeating what Luke says, I think it's a combination of rigor and discipline on exercising, getting out of the house as soon as the sun pops out. And I think finding a way of relaxing. So not ashamed of, of saying that I do spend a lot of time in front of Netflix, but that's the way to go. You need to find ways of relaxing your mind too. From a business viewpoint, I think it's again a matter of rigor and discipline reaching out to people while executing the work that you need to do. There's no other ways of keeping connected, which I think is the essence of the work we're doing. Absolutely. As you say, rigor, structure, boring though it may sound, is the way to get through this and get results. So let's move on to our topic, which is all about optimism, with, of course, a bit of caution. Luke, if I turn to you and we talk about mergers and acquisitions, you know, within the sector, within the asset management particularly, what, what do you expect to hear about that over our, our podcast? You know, mergers have been a constant theme for the last few years. Is that going to accelerate with the pandemic? I don't know. Uh, is <clears throat> accelerate accelerating with a pandemic we've seen especially last year in the in the US some some significant merger and acquisition with Franklin Templeton buying Lake Mason Morgan Stanley absorbing Eaton Vance and Invesco buying Oppenheimer funds and in a recent review by City, they indicated that they expect Europe to follow this kind of uh, merger and acquisition team. And yes, it has been probably in the top three of things 
that will happen in the year for many years now. And maybe that the pandemic is accelerating that now. But this review of City also indicates that <clears throat> some expected merger and acquisition targets would be Jupiter, Scandinavian firms like Swedbank and SEB Investment Management. The reason why is they think that these would be potentially good acquisitions for other companies because they complement and they don't overlap. There is something to say for that COVID could accelerate this. Equally, the European landscape of asset managers is still very fragmented and yet there are a few big players. Absolutely. But if you look at the top 10 or top 20 of the world, then Europe plays a small role and it's very much dominated by big US firms. So I, I think that there will be some movement in this year in, in that area. I guess one of the counter arguments to that could be whether in a post-Brexit world, even with Biden in the White House and maybe a more multilateral global world, whether protectionism will come into asset managers as well. Are they deemed critical industries? Does Europe want to build the fortress? this wall any higher to stop American firms, for example, taking over that capability when post-Brexit there's a move to onshore that capability and, and be able to regulate and control that. You might definitely have a point uh, there, Chris, but even then there is a lot of scope, even if it would be M&A between European firms, not even with, with uh, US firms taking over. If you look at uh, the big players in Europe, then you talk about the Amundis, the Texas Legal and General, the BNP Paribas, UBS. Yes, there are some have passed already that trillion mark or are close to it. And would they be directly getting to the level of the Black Rocks and the Vanguards? No, there is still quite a big gap between those. But I do think there is indeed a possibility for some real big European players. And I think there might be indeed some protectionism in that area that will play a role. Excellent. Well, looking forward to exploring that later in the series. I think one thing we can't ignore and shouldn't ignore is climate change and and ESG and the new regulatory framework, which is evolving in the European Union or due to go live in, in March. So Pierre-Yves, I know that's um, something you're passionate about. We have hopefully a couple of podcasts covering these themes. What do you hope to explore in those? Absolutely. So, so th- there is a, a background that I think we need to set up when we're going to talk about the regulatory framework for the industry in the UK at least. And, and that regulatory framework will drive the type of regulation we'll get a around ESG and sustainability. And the question really comes from the post-Brexit situation we find ourselves within. So the point is, while we're operating within a framework that has been in line with the EU regulation, that is just stating a fact, the big question now, which is being debated in the city, and we're seeing articles about the pros and cons of converging or diverging with EU regulation, is going to be fundamental because it will drive the nature and the spirit of the regulation that we'll see in the city in the years to come. So that's one debate that is really important to follow through and to monitor closely because, as I said earlier on, it's going to set the scene and the tone of the regulations we're going to get. At the same time, I believe that the city is not working in isolation from what happens in the world and the sustainability movement that is going through all the industries has reached the 
shores of wealth and asset management. So to quote two examples, one is the EU regulation on sustainability disclosure, which is coming into effect in March. Whether we like it or not, we're going to have to look very closely how that impacts our industry in the UK. Another example, fresh from the press, Larry Fink, CEO of BlackRock, going on air yesterday and explaining that he will require all the companies in which the BlackRock invest to be ESG compliant. We're not going to be able to escape that. So I think this is going to be a major team for the weeks, months, and years to come. Interestingly, we're going to need to look at two aspects. One is, of course, the product side, and, and, and that's almost the easy part. There are better ESG means of measurement, and, and they're going to be used more and more by companies, firms, asset managers. It'll be also interesting to see how sustainability will be applied at corporate level. We've been talking about diversity and equality and gender pay gap for the last few years. All of that fall into the framework of a sustainable enterprise. Now, it remains to be seen whether that's going to stick with the wealth and asset management industry in the UK. So that, I think, will be the nature of the debate we'll be developing in our podcast. I agree there's a lot wider than just climate change. So sometimes it feels like Groundhog Day, but hopefully, I guess, 2021 will be a tipping point. But um, we'll be hearing from other experts in the industry to see whether they uh, agree with, is this a false dawn or, or is this genuinely going to be the year that everything changes? It can't happen too soon. Luke, so product development is something that we touched on in the last series, New World Under Construction. But I, I guess uh, this year is a year when things need to start happening. Uh, some of those things that we, we outlined, whether it be innovation or I think one topic I'm particularly interested in discussing is about financing of or different methods of financing capital and, and assets. What are your views on um, what you hope to discover this year on our podcast? I, I think in that sense, product development, uh, you can be very narrow in that and you can think of potentially only asset class, where do you go, new products in that sense. I would rather look at it from a bit of a different angle, as I do believe that the market is already overflown with any asset class that is possible. I do understand that companies need to and want to do that, but it is not necessarily where the big difference is coming from. And I do think uh, that I rather look at product development combined with distribution. And I think within distribution, I would hope to see this year at least already the first elements of some change in that. In an article that we recently published, as we already indicated, like banking and the travel industry, we've all become our own travel agent. We've all become our own banks. We manage that ourselves. And that is something I believe is going to come to the wealth and asset management industry as well. And there are already some examples, but it is just going beyond just platform and really starting to deliver to clients that ability to almost self-manage. And again, in recent news, SLA has indicated that they are going to launch a robo-advisor application potentially as soon as March of this year, which will give their clients some ability to do that self-management of their assets and wealth. And I do think that is where the much bigger change comes than purely product. And that is going to be really exciting. And it's not going to be smooth running from the beginning. And it will take time to, to get to that. And that also links into the previous podcast we had on innovation, where those things can only happen if innovation is at the top agenda of executive board, where they set out where the company needs to go and create an environment where those developments can really take off. And that, I believe, will be the big change in product, if if you want to put it that way, or ultimately 
more product and distribution. Yeah, I think in recent events, GameStop, for example, a play against hedge funds, uh, what, it, what it says to me or speaks of is the retail level, the small consumer, if they band together, their power is actually huge. And that's the same with the players in the wealth and asset management industry may seem a bit more staid, but ultimately retailers will have the choice. They're tech savvy, they're getting more financially savvy, and the lockdown has only allowed them to spend more assessing what their product is or where the opportunities are. And that creates a new breed of target customer. It's time the industry woke up to how quickly these things can move and actually how sophisticated their potential customer base is. And I think on top of that, and and linking into the previous subject that Pierre-Yves addressed around ESG, I could imagine that in a future that even individual investors can become much more involved in that ESG piece, because why wouldn't you be able to, with the portfolio you have, as small as it is, be opting in a certain ESG policy of proxy voting as an individual? I'm not saying that it would be all individual votes, but you could in that way really bring almost a democratic process into the the proxy voting. And again, that are just potential ways of looking how that could evolve in the future, but indeed being tech savvy, being able to have technology at your hand makes the engagement with a client also extremely different than what we know. I guess the corollary to that is if we're going to develop these products and identify things which are outside the the normal flow of product development, we're going to need leadership. When we talk about leadership, we always turn to you, Pierre. Leadership and generally more the HR aspects of the industry, which we've touched on over the last two series. What do you hope we'll explore in, in 2021 that's been different to the previous podcast? To your point, and we touched on it at the top of the podcast, we're still in lockdown. And, and there's two aspects of that I, I hope we'll be able to explore in our podcast. The, the first thing is, again, the human things, as, as you mentioned. There's been a lot of technology around us. and We've been locked in house with very little interaction with our colleagues in the industry. And to say the least, we've been handling stress at home, outside home, and none of that has an impact on people. I guess the point that I'm, I'm hoping we'll be able to explore is how do you address this and how do you ease back into some sort of balance once we get out of lockdown? And, and that would be very interesting to discuss from a leadership viewpoint. I believe there will be an interest in approaching our colleagues from a more holistic viewpoint now. We have talked about the dog that barks in the background many times during the first and second lockdown. But it's a pointer towards seeing people as more than just employees. It's seeing them as being member of a family, having to do with children, having to deal with sickness, having to deal with real life. And it would be very interesting to explore with our guests how we factor that into the human element of our companies. And from a leadership viewpoint, there's more to it than just dealing with people. These last few weeks and few months have seen the emergence of the question of stakeholder capitalism, purpose-driven companies. So out of that transpires through the conversation we have on regulation that we have on product and we have on ESG, it'd be interesting to explore with our guest how those concepts translate 
into the wealth and asset management industry? I guess the, the question it really is, given the theme, are we optimistic there will be positive change? Because while we have had a lot of homeworking, I think the concept to leaders, especially who've had to work from home, and historically there could have been prejudice against that, do you think we're going to discover as we remove the restrictions and the world goes back to normal, leaders won't just revert to type? Because I think this is especially important that the, we actually make progress. And our big question is, are we optimistic about that? We would be very optimistic because this crisis has been disruptive in terms of showing a larger palette of what makes the people that work in the industry. That's undeniable. There are more questions to address and that they are now in the open. The question would remain, are we going to be able to seize that opportunity and make the changes that are required to move to the next level? And the proof will be in the pudding, but that's what we want to explore with our guests. That's a lot of topics to cover, but fortunately we have a year to cover those. And as always, we'll have some very very exciting guests with great experience and insight into each of those topics. And I think this third series potentially will be even better than the, the last series in terms of topics we can cover as we move away from endlessly talking about the pandemic. Thank you very much, both gentlemen. Look forward to the next series of this podcast. You're very welcome, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Uh, to our listeners, uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with uh, Pierre and it has whet uh, your appetite for the topics we will be covering uh, in the year ahead in our series Optimism with Caution. We look forward to grabbing another cup of coffee with Alvin Consulting and with you all in the next in our series of podcasts in the, on the theme of Optimism with Caution in the wealth and asset management industry. If you want to discuss this podcast further with us, have any questions or would like to take part in our next series, please get in touch with us through info at alchemy-consulting.com or via LinkedIn, Alchemy Consulting.